Hi, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. Uh, I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist at Human Life International, and this is Father Bouquet, our president. Um, today we're going to be discussing Father Bouquet's uh, most recent Spirit and Life article, which you can find a uh, link to in the description, which is called Dangers to Life in Prenatal Testing. Um, okay, Father, can you describe what these prenatal tests are and uh, what sort of conditions they exist for? Sure. I mean, prenatal testing is being used today, you know, on two different levels. Mm -hmm. So first of all, let's look at the positive. So we, we, I know which we'll talk a little bit more detail, is that, you know, sometimes, you know, doctors, you know, healthcare professionals will recommend to parents that, you know, that we do a little blood test, you know, just to, to see if there's any, any issue going on with your baby. And so, mm -hmm. and so there's a positive in the sense of maybe, you know, just for the sake of the care of the child, the health of the mother, let's make sure everything is going well. So there's a good right. intention. Right, so, right. So, and, and then, then there's the other side of the coin where the intention might be, well, let's find out if anything is wrong or if there's any hereditary issue or any malformation with the intent that if there is, then there's going to be this pressure, you know, to abort the child. Or sometimes it's the parent themselves mm -hmm. that actually has that intent so that they, mm -hmm. they want a, quote, healthy child. They I don't see, want an yeah. abnormality. So, so you have two different sides of way of, of looking at, uh, at, at, at a test. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that's very frightening. Um, and in your article, you mentioned there's a difference between uh, the kinds of tests that are most often done, which are blood tests, it's a newer technology, versus... Um, amniocentesis, the testing of amniotic fluid extracted from the womb. Right. Could you kind of describe what's going on there and sort of the, if there's sure. regulations or other things like that? Sure. Well, the article that I wrote is really based on an article to the New York Times mm -hmm. that exposed uh, the fact that, you know, that those who were proposing these blood tests uh, and kind of given the impression that they are reliable tests, that uh, the, uh, the results are, you know, are foolproof, if you will, or right. at least close to being uh, foolproof, mm -hmm. and it gives this impression uh, to parents, you know, that there's something they can rely upon. The information is, is is solid. So the New York Times really is talking about this, and I really am grateful, you know, to the New York Times, mm -hmm. you know, for talking about this. Now, it, at least it, it brought it to the surface, and what it does is it allows many of us in this in this pro-life movement, and I've seen a lot of my colleagues, particularly the medical doctors, who have been raising concern over this for many many years, you know, especially as this technology has become more mm -hmm. more common. They've been raising many questions, so that's a great thing. So the difference between the two, obviously, one is a blood test, mm -hmm. which doesn't any harm to, to the mother or obviously to the baby, uh, to the uh, developing child. But obviously, amniocentesis actually is an intervention, you know, into the uh, into the amniotic fluid, and this is where you know the church has a, a clear you know position with regard to the fact that uh, it can be very dangerous to the health of the child. It can lead to miscarriage, and really, the child doesn't benefit. You know, in this situation, right. with this this kind of intervention, whereas the blood test really does not have uh, any harm, you know, like I said, to the mother or to the child. So, but again, if you're looking at in, in the sense of an accuracy, you know, mm -hmm. the, the but there, as I was talking to some of the doctors, they were saying that there are many other tests out that mm -hmm. actually, you know, no one has to be moving toward, you know, amniocentesis, which again is not something that's being recommended. Uh, you know, but but there are other tests there that doesn't that has no evasive harm, mm -hmm. you know, to the child or to the mother, particularly to the child. And so, mm -hmm. as far as the blood tests are concerned, these are the ones that are most common. It's a newer right. technology that's also less invasive, like you said. So, right. I mean, there there are downsides to both. 
Um, right. But the the chief downside, I guess, as far as the blood tests are concerned, is that you you wrote they have uh, the New York Times reported they have eighty five to ninety percent uh, false positives. Right. right, right, and that's where the danger, of course, is, and that's why you know as I. As I said in my article, that's, in, in that's a really high number. Just oh, by the way, I just want to emphasize that it's huge. And and you so what it does again by giving that false impression that this test. I mean, mm -hmm. look right now. I'm not a huge TV person, but mm -hmm. you know I'm in airports quite a bit and, yeah. and and mission travel, and there there are TV screens everywhere, and you see these commercials, these right. ads. You know, today, you know, for you know colon testing and for all this, it's all this medical technology has made has become so available, so readily available. And again, it just gives the impression that the companies that are placing these ads and you know these products are reliable, trustworthy. That the information that is gathered from them and the results are something that one can trust. Now, I don't want to give the impression that all of them are bad. So right. that's not what we're talking about. But it's good for people to really have caution here. But specifically to this, mm -hmm. what it does is again in in a mindset today in our culture that uh, is. Uh, open, you know, to abortion is very much supportive of abortion, mm -hmm. and we know today that people uh, have this mindset that if there's something wrong with my my developing child, if there's an abnormality, or the doctor may give the impression that you know there's anomaly here, it's fatal, you know, it's incompatible with the quality of life. You know, you hear all this language, right. it just pushes the couple, in, right? Exactly, and it just pushes that couple in a direction. And so, of course, if they're relying upon the test. And that test is 80 to 90 percent, you know, and and, and it's uh, false positives. Then we know that we're dealing also with the fact that there are many quote healthy children that are being lost to the crime, to, to abortion. Right. So so it, with the again, false and like I said in the article, which is very clear, we're not supporting abortion on any level. Right. But to see where people are given the impression that this is the the answer to their to the to the test. This is what. They feel like they're being pressured to do, mm -hmm. or like I said, you have couples or individuals who actually already have that mindset. It's not the doctor or mm -hmm. healthcare; it's actually the individual that mm -hmm. you know. So they get this false positive result. Well, immediately, you know, they want to terminate their child, and so it's so. There's a grave danger here, you know. And and as I said, you know, when you look at the uh, the positive side, if we were taking, and I think the bigger call, which the New York Times does not really go into, and I didn't have a chance to go into in my article, would be. That we would want to see the technology improve. You know, we should hold these biomedical technology institutes mm -hmm. accountable for, for for these tests and making sure that they're doing everything they can. You know, to make sure they're accurate, mm -hmm. not for the sake of, of abortion right, minded, exactly. but for the sake and the good of people who they're mm -hmm. who are relying upon these to help them. You know, to understand how's my child? Mm -hmm. is, does my child have any possible di difficulties? How can we help my child? Mm -hmm. Those are good things. Mm -hmm. So we would we would want to see that grow and to be and to be able to prepare earlier ahead of exactly. the birth. Exactly. Um, right. So yeah, because it seems like there's a twofold problem here. There's the one is the question of the effectiveness of the uh, medical uh, technology, right. and it, at this point, it looks like it's pretty darn bad. Eighty-five right. to ninety percent uh, false positive rate is not great at all. Um, but then there's, of course, this other, the larger issue, which I want to kind of segue into, which is the bioethical issue. Um, you know, it's a case of technology, good technology, or neutral technology that has the potential to be used for good purposes, because, you know, healthcare is obviously a very noble cause, right. you know, medicine. Why is mankind tempted, always tempted, Father, to use technology for perverse ends? In this case, it would be killing children whom we think are inferior because they have a disease. Sure. Well, as we've seen 
in history. You know, obviously mm -hmm. we have people with bad intentions and people that advance bad motivations. So here again, we're dealing with something, the actual test, which in itself, in itself is neutral, but mm -hmm. then can be used for the good or it can be used for the bad. Right. And people with a good intention in the sense of wanting human flourishing and wanting to help parents and help you know, developing children if there are issues, that's a good. At the same time, you have someone who's motivated by a mindset that's uh, anti-life or particularly wants to look at a particular segment of the population. You know, as we see it, uh, in, uh, in some countries, those that are diagnosed, children who are diagnosed with Down syndrome, you know, it's not a, you know, Iceland and many others, for example, Iceland, would yeah. say, oh, we've done away with, you know, issues of Down syndrome. No, all they've done is killed people with Down syndrome. <laughs> so they haven't resolved, quote unquote, this genetic abnormality or, you know, how to, uh, to help parents in a sense of, of, of addressing this issue. No, they just annihilate, you know, right. the, the child. And so murder the child and, and, and then claim that we've solved Down syndrome. No. Mm -hmm. So this mindset is there. And so you have people that are looking at a particular segment, for example, disabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in our country, you know, we hear so much about, you know, uh, anti-discrimination laws and, you know, particularly about those with disabilities. But, you know, here we are with unborn children, you know, who are uh, in completely vulnerable, developing, and may have suffered from a genetic uh, hereditary issue, uh, may have some malformation in, in the process of development. Uh, but other than uh, this, healthy, growing, maturing, mm -hmm. moving toward birth, and they're being specifically uh, um, designated for death. Right. And, and so this is the danger, and this is what I meant by genocide in my column. I mean, I'm very serious mm -hmm. that when you look at a particular segment of people, a particular ethnic group, mm -hmm. and, and so what's great is that in uh, many countries in mm -hmm. Europe who have actually seen this discrimination against the unborn, mm -hmm. particularly about disabled, mm -hmm. have been able to, to prevent laws from going into effect and oh, get them wonderful. overturned. Yeah. We have not successfully done that in this country. We I have see. a lot of voice on it. That's a separate article, separate conversation, but it's something that we should have mm -hmm. because it's another way to chip away at this mentality, you know, that you have people in lofty positions determining who lives, who dies, who has value, who doesn't have value. Very, very dangerous. So mm -hmm. we saw this in the Second World War. We've seen this still in our current age where, you know, ethnic groups are particularly segmented and attempt to, to annihilate them. You know, right. we should not be something our, our population forgets, how easy mm -hmm. that can happen. Right. It and, is happening. And I, I want to make sure our listeners know I kind of scoffed at this, the, the, the mention of the killing of Down syndrome children in Iceland is because of the gall of, of, of the, the proposition. It's, it's, well, the fact and the reality there, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it is eugenics, as you mentioned. It's not even similar. It is, uh, it's eugenics, right. quite literally, quite the original intent of that, that philosophy. Right. Um, and uh, carried to a very, very uh, effective uh, and, and to, and to be situation proud of what they're circumstances doing. right now. Yeah, and they're happy. They, exactly. they brag about it. Exactly. Um, so, uh, why is there that, that impulse to abort? Does it have something to do... I kind of wanted to segue into this, uh, pick your brain about this, Father, with a kind of a, a threefold uh, sort of situation, a crisis in values and a misunderstanding of the meaning of suffering, mm. um, as well as a kind of utilitarian view of, like you said, uh, use the phrase, incompatible with quality of life. So quality of life becomes sort of the determining right. factor of right. what, who's happy or right. good, worth living, you know. Right. So the question there is that, you know, the quality of life. Let's just look yeah. at that for a second. Okay. So when you look at this, well, the first question that ought to be 
posed is who determines mm -hmm. what quality it is. Mm -hmm. You know, and so so what is the standard? Who determines the standard? So the moment that we begin to pose such a question, and I say to, to you, Tad, okay, well, you set the standard. You determine. So, but tomorrow, it might be someone else that sets the standard. Right. So eventually, you know, the idea is that there should, there's not a standard, okay? Right. First of all, every human life is of equal value, mm -hmm. of incomparable worth, without exception. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The only way to, to, to argue against this is to, to express the value of every human life. From the moment that life comes into existence, mm -hmm. the moment of, 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 of fertilization, the moment of conception, there is life. And that life is of value, equal value to me and, uh, and me to that developing child. And so that is where we should start the conversation. But when you have a quality of life determination, it's very utilitarian. Because, for example, you know, uh, you can have a certain segment of our population who may, let's say, of a certain age. Why could we not determine that once a person reaches right. the age of? Mm -hmm. Well, then you've already exhausted your worth and your value, you are more now a burden on society, mm -hmm. and you know you cost more than you give, mm -hmm. and you know your life is 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 basically given away, you know, so that we can move forward and not have this burden, this cost. Mm -hmm. You can have the, the same thing, like we said earlier about Down syndrome. You can have people who say, you know, we want to, you know, we we don't want a child to suffer, but really that's not mm -hmm. the issue. It's a false mercy. It's the oh, same absolutely. one as what you were talking about with aging and, and, exactly. and uh, disease. It's exactly. euthanasia. It is euthanasia for children. Exactly. Is what exactly. it is. John Paul talked about that. He says, mm -hmm. you know, you, in, in Evangelium Vitae, speaking specifically about euthanasia, mm -hmm. you know, instead of my me entering in to be of assistance to a person who is suffering, mm -hmm. who may be terminally ill, who may be dealing with a, a very painful journey of, of human existence, right. that is my call to be the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. But what we do with euthanasia is we just get rid of the, the problem. And so basically, I remove myself from the conversation. In other words, I am, it's no longer me in the conversation. Yeah, it's like what Stalin said, no man, no problem, right? In exactly, <laughs> exactly. So here we are, we're back with that quality. Mm -hmm. So, so and I think what's important is, but we can go deeper than that. You know, for example, you can get into the quality, who gets health care? Who doesn't get health care? Mm -hmm. You know, who do we treat? Who don't we treat? Mm -hmm. So you start, you start tr going down this road, of, of really judging from a utilitarian point, point of view, from a very usefulness point of view, it's always dangerous and it always devalues human life. Whereas if we start with the very, very premise that every life is of value, every life, and so as we do in the, in the pro-life movement very clearly, we articulate very clearly that the life uh, every life is, is of, of importance. We must defend every life, mm -hmm. whether that be in the conversation about abortion, mm -hmm. whether it be in the conversation about uh, the elderly, the handicapped, or the poor. So we, we need to really recognize that this, this, this conversation is an inclusive conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's not just as we're talking about prenatal testing, right. but you know the same, the same position that we have with regard to the unborn child that's developing the womb, mm -hmm. we have the same you know, care and concern for the elderly, the vulnerable, the dying, and the ill. So we have to really recognize how this is a, is a consistent ethic that runs across the spectrum of when you speak about human life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good. That, that's why I appreciate the New York Times. For that sake, I mean, it's a very, obviously, it's a paper people read. They're familiar with it. You know, they think it's a, this uh, important uh, paper. So by talking about this, 
it makes conversations right. occur. So that's what I'm grateful for. Brings the issue to the fore. And Father, does it have to be a religious issue? When we talk about, uh, you know, you, you um, mentioned John Paul II, St. John Paul II's right. encyclical, Evangelium Vitae, um, and the concept of redemptive suffering. That's, that's a religious concept, right. at least as far as we're talking about it here. Uh, HLI is a Catholic organization, but does it, can this, we can argue sure. from natural law that this has to be. Of course. Um, and, without, and without getting into all the specifics of the natural law, mm -hmm. it's, it's a human issue. Just, just mm -hmm. keep it as basic, is that whatever happens, now here I'm quoting scripture, mm -hmm. all right, but whatever happens to my brother or sister happens to me. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if that understanding is clear, that mm -hmm. this is a human conversation, that's why we can have this conversation with those who are of Christian faith, mm -hmm. those who are of non-Christian faith. We can have this conversation with, you know, across the spectrum of the human family, because this affects the human family. Right. So this affects, you know, those, uh, you know, that actually have no faith or no belief in God at all, but mm -hmm. we're all part of the human family. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us, you know, and, and hopefully maybe those that are listening will share this with other friends, you know, that maybe don't share our Catholic viewpoint and approach to the subject and conversation and the documents and, and the saints and the various personalities that we quote, but right. we, we speak to this also, obviously, of the natural law, you mm -hmm. know, which reveals to us the eternal law and our response to that eternal law. But it, that's, again, another conversation uh, for another time. But, but I think it's good that people, you know, really look at this is that uh, an example that I love about Human Life International is that as a global organization, a Catholic educational apostolate, we work around the world. And we work with Catholic, non-Catholic, Christian, non-Christian. We work across the entire spectrum. And, and what's so beautiful is that when you sit at, for example, in our work at the United Nations or our work in the Organized American States, Organization of American States, you know, we're dealing with people across the spectrum of the human family. Mm. And it's so wonderful to sit at the table with someone who sees that and may not share my Catholic values, but shares human values. Mm -hmm. that which is something we all have uh, in, in, in common with regard to being part of that human fabric. So I think it's important for us to see that what's happening in Iceland we should be appalled by because what can happen in Iceland can happen here. Mm -hmm. It can happen in Australia, in New Zealand, it can right. go all the way to Africa. And it's not just Iceland uh, as it is, I mean, it's no. Denmark, other Scandinavian exactly. countries, exactly. Other, the U.S. Uh, you mentioned have, has a pretty Absolutely. high rate of, of, of abortions based on these prenatal tests that, exactly. that are probably like most of them Many of them might not even be true, right. um, accurate. So, yes, that's that's extremely important. Um, thank you, Father. How can we um, Catholics and pro-lifers uh, address this issue now? Is right. there is there anything going on right now? Any groups out there right now that we can help out? Sure, sure. Well, I mentioned an article. Be not afraid. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a wonderful. Uh, I've been familiar with their work for a number of years, and it's a great website that people can go to. Be not afraid. And it really specifically deals with this, the prenatal testing, but it deals with, you know, those that are dealing with issues where their child maybe has been diagnosed with an, an anomaly or, or some type of hereditary mm -hmm. issue. This is a place where people can find support, they can find guidance, they can find even the ability to how to respond to their doctors, how to respond. Because a lot of times, very sadly, uh, those in, the, in, in medical health care can be very uh, uh, forceful. In, in their tone, and again, because with, and I don't, I don't want to paint with a, a huge brush here, because you have people who are serving in, in, in healthcare who are, are, are wonderful, caring people, 
that are with mm -hmm. us in this great pro-life cause. And then, unfortunately, we have people of a different mindset in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, well, you're uh, just quoting the New York Times. I mean, you you said in that article, right. it's reported that most of the couples were this they had right. received these diagnoses of their uh, preborn children. They said the doctors seemed like this is it. You, it's right. kind of abort or Right. You're bad, essentially. You're you're right. doing something immoral exactly. by not aborting. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, it gives that huge impression. So this is where being not afraid comes in, mm -hmm. and this is where this organization, you know, again, just helps parents who are confronting that. Mm -hmm. And I and I would encourage our, our audience to really take advantage of that. Go look it up, and uh, they're they're very very good. And I I often go to them myself when I have a question that I want to look up a little bit information. And, and so it's, a, it's something worth people taking time to familiarize themselves with. But the other thing too is that we need to do, and that's why I said in my own column with the New York Times is, again, thank you for bringing it up. However, what you said very much in the beginning, Tad, is true. This technology is, a lot of it's new, but it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So it's going to continue to, to be present. What we have to do within, within the medical community, within the pro-life movement, and all people of goodwill who care about this is demand that these tests, you know, be held accountable. That the the industry itself, you know, be held accountable. That you know, if you're going to put something out there and you're going to start, get, it's going to be a, a test that we're relying upon. I want you to think deeply about that. When I go to the doctor and the doctor says, "I, I recommend we perform these battery of exams," all right. So I am trusting that the doctor and those exams are going to be accurate and mm. truthful and that they're going to help me understand what it may be that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I'm relying upon this technology to help me in my health care and, and to make decisions that are for the good of my health. Mm -hmm. This should be the same thing held of anything that's out there. Uh, so the FDA really needs to get more heavily involved in this. You know, we need to demand our legislators get involved in this. That's right, because you, you know, one of the things I'm, I mentioned it at the beginning, but we didn't really elaborate on it. These are not regulated. These right. tests are almost entirely unregulated. Right. And that's, that's the part where we have to really pull the demand. New York Times are not actually calling for that, all right, mm -hmm. in a sense. But we have to really demand that. And that's where we have to get people involved. So by, that's my little, top, my little hat off to the New York Times for bringing the issue up. But now, what do we do with it? Mm -hmm. Right. When I'm not going to wait for them to 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 call to defend human life. I'm not going to wait for them to to say ring a bell and say, hey, you know, we need to do that. So I think mm -hmm. it's important for people to learn the, about the issue, to become familiar as much as they can about these issues. Uh, I mean, I after my article went uh, was published, I've received a number of emails from parents who are in a situation like that. They're looking mm -hmm. where can they go, where can they find answers. They're looking for advocacy because they're feeling pressured. Not only from doctors now, not only from healthcare, family members. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, again, that mentality is out there. Well, you know, just move on. You it's know, it's a powerful just, impulse to abort. Huge, huge, mm -hmm. and and again, because, because, because our it's, culture, it's, it's that false person. It's a switched set of values. It's, right. it's, you know, human life as we argue here at HLI and, and believe, and as you eloquently kind of described, mm -hmm. human life is of inestimable value. Right. You know, from conception until natural death. Um, it's the reverse in their mind, it, or in, in a sense, um, at least as far as this decision is concerned, you know, if someone is compromised somehow, if someone is not desirable, right. or we presume that their quality of life will be bad because, right. you know, they have some illness, maybe, maybe the test is accurate, but right. who knows. Um, but even if it is, that, that now it's immoral to not, right. to, 
kill that person, to, you know, to not uh, administer a mercy killing is considered, uh, you know, that's the, that's right. the pressure is towards that. Exactly. Which is what you're and that's the mentality that's running through. So we have to, really, we have to counteract that language. Uh -huh. We really have to be articulate. We need uh, our, all of the people who are with us in this great cause to rise, to mm -hmm. talk about it, and we need to engage the public debate. And that's why you know, a group like Be Not Afraid is so, exactly. so powerful. Uh, so it important. already exists. It's already oh, yeah. out there. Yeah, it's been, right. been fighting this cause mm -hmm. you know, for a number of years, and I think it's important to, to, to really affirm them, encourage them, and get other people involved with this. You know, because if we don't, then that narrative that, that we've been talking about will continue to find root, and it will deepen. And, you know, and our couples will have, you know, there'll be no recourse. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. you may get to the point where, like we find in other countries, that, you know, if you don't abort this child, you have no health care. Uh, we won't care for Consequences, your child. right. Exactly. So we, and, and, and to say that it does not exist right now in our country, and I think it does. And I think l talking to couples and talking to parents with these issues, I hear it. Uh, and now, again, legally, that's not there, but in other countries we've seen this, you know, and I've heard from couples in Great Britain, I've heard from couples in the Netherlands, I've heard that they were told, you have this child, you will receive no benefit from the government with regard to the health of your child. So, I mean, what, what do parents, what's the recourse? Now, the recourse is still don't abort your child. Of course. But this is the pressure they are under. Mm -hmm. And we need to say, enough. This is unacceptable. Again, why? Because we've turned this conversation into a quality of life. So, so even a parent, you know, who makes this decision to abort their child because, and like you said, it could be a false sense of compassion, you know, not wanting their child to, that's a quality of life. Mm -hmm. You are determining that the value of this child, my child, our child, if I'm a parent, is not, not saying, you, want, you don't hear it said this way, of worthy of life. But what we're saying basically is, is that, you know, that your life has no value because you're going to suffer. Yeah. Wrong. That's Wrong. absolutely incorrect. Yeah. And we need to challenge that. And so, but again, I would say to our pastors, our, my brother priest who may be listening, you know, is I think it's important. We need to talk about these things. And talk about redemptive suffering. Exactly. Right? And we need to talk to couples bef while they're getting, before they're married. Mm -hmm. We need to help them understand that, you know, that as, as you open your life to children, that you may be faced with a very difficult moment. And this is the time to start talking and praying about this and, and thinking about this. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what will you do if you have a child, you mm -hmm. know, that has a special need? You know, how do you address it? You know, how do you deal with these, the, 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 that narrative that's out there? You know, because we shouldn't assume that, the, that all the people sitting in our pews agree with you, what you and I are talking about, Ted. Right. That, that would be... That would be a yeah. very dangerous belief. And I, I don't <laughs> say that with any pride. I, I, that disappoints me when I say it, but yeah. it's real. Mm -hmm. And so we need to, to really engage this. And I would say the same thing, which I'm very grateful for to the Catholic Medical Association and others who are talking about this, you know, who, who bring this up in their forums. You know, we need to talk to the healthcare uh, officials. We need to talk to those in healthcare itself. We need, in other words, we need to engage the conversation. And, and I think that's what we're trying to do right now by talking mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that, man, if we can bring this to bear even gr more greatly in the public sphere, mm -hmm. it, it could do this. That's why I like the disability. With, I, think, I think it was in Great Britain, if I remember correctly, where they were able to stay, you know, this, this law, this, this, this bill that was trying to be passed. And I mean, and I think that's where it was located. I, I 
forgive me for not knowing exactly where, but it was, I can, I was already going say, look it up, you know, <laughs> right. but it's, it, it was a recent story where the, um, it was all based on disability. Mm-hmm. They fought against this bill because mm-hmm. it was a direct assault on those with disability in the womb. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was, it never went through. I mean, they were able, they were successful. Fascinating. So, but they, so we they came at it to... twice. This is the second time. Wow. The uh, the anti life side came at it, but they lost both times. Wow. So far, so but the de- that's but we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is the well, time that's a, to that's a success. To that's pick a, it up. that's that's hopeful. That's great. Um, thank you, Father. Yes, uh, I think maybe we can we can close on this. But the, let's just talk about this. The the most powerful witness, the most powerful you know argument about this is. Look at the face of, of a happy child with mm-hmm. who has Down syndrome or, or another genetic abnormality or something. Some of the, these children are the some of the happiest people in the world. Right, right. Um, I think when I was reading about the Iceland story, uh, because I'd, I'd heard about that a, a couple of years back, um, there was a situation in which a, a family who had not aborted a, a child with Down syndrome, they had a son. He was I don't know how old he was, but anyway, he saw uh, uh, his mother reading an article about this. Um, death, it was called death to down and you know he just curled up in the corner and he, he was he was he was totally he knew exactly what it was about right, right? there was no misunderstanding sure. uh, in his his mind and um, you know that's a case of, of, of something that can turn uh, a very interesting case where he was he was sad but most of the time um, someone like that I mean he was so offended because he was you know, right. so happy. It was about him, right. and normally he's just the happiest little right. camper in the world. Sure. You know, sure. um, and, and those those people people they're, really they're examples for us. I mean, these are sure. um, from from a religious standpoint, they're kind of. But it's also, I mean, just across the the, the, the conversation. Mm-hmm. So whether we're speaking of a child with special need, or whether we're speaking of an adult with special right. need, or whether we're talking about someone in the latter stages of life who's mm-hmm. become dependent, maybe incompetent because mm-hmm. of some a stroke or because of some uh, medical issue. You know, all mm-hmm. are of equal value. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's important for us to, to, to speak on this. And you're absolutely right, Tad. Each one of these beautiful mm-hmm. individuals is a gift to us. Right. Teaches us how to love, teaches us how to care. It evokes from us the, 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 the need to respond. That's why I go back to John Paul, that you know, by keeping me, me, quote, in the conversation, in other words, it's no longer about you, mm-hmm. it's about us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the key here. It's, it's, it's how can we respond? How do we engage this conversation? How do we help the needs of others? So it, in, in our country mm-hmm. where we have become so self-absorbed, mm-hmm. self-autonomy, self-determination, you know, mm-hmm. this rugged individualism that, you know, mm-hmm. people love to speak about in the U.S. And, you know, and, but all this also has consequences. Mm-hmm. And it, it be, because it really does, it becomes about themselves mm-hmm. and not about other people. And, and that's where we get the danger that, you know, I'm of greater importance than this individual. Mm-hmm. And, then we, and then we try to guise it in, 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 in language. We don't want them to suffer. You know, mm-hmm. right. a false compassion. You know, all this. So, but really, at the end of the day, John Paul mm-hmm. hit it on the head. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is about me and my response to this particular individual or situation. And I, I think that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment for us to pause. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said in the very beginning, how did we get here? You know, how, how, and, you know what are we doing? Well, we should learn from what we've done. Mm-hmm. Our history is a great way to learn. 
And, and how does a little cliche go, the phrase go, he who does not learn from history is destined to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't learned, you know, have we from, you know, what we've seen in our, in our, in our human history and the harm that we can do to individuals mm -hmm. and to segments of population. This is a moment to really take a pause mm -hmm. and say, speaking about what we started with, prenatal testing, it could be used for a good mm -hmm. and it can be used for something bad. Now, the test itself, is just neutral. Mm -hmm. It's the person who uses it. Right. There lies the real issue. So mm -hmm. that's why we have to have this conversation. So I appreciate you taking time and sure, talk about yeah. the article. All right. Thank you very much, Father. Yeah, it was. It was. It's. Uh, it's a serious issue, and I'm glad that uh, the New York Times, that's a you know massive venue, is bringing it to light. And I thank you for writing about it from from our Catholic pro life perspective. Oh, thank you, Dad. So, thank you, everyone, for watching uh, the Culture of Life podcast. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, check out any links uh, in the description to things we mentioned in the video and have a good week. <laughs>